From the mountains to the coast, create memories, meet new people, and find your favorite wine, mead, or cider in NC. Download the NC Wine app or visit ncwine.org to plan your trip to North Carolina wine country today. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Matt. We're the NC Wine Guys. Welcome to Cork Talk. In this episode, we talk to the Wiseman family of Linville Falls Winery in Linville Falls, North Carolina. Unfortunately, Jack Wiseman, the founder and winemaker, couldn't join us. But we had the pleasure of talking with Linda, Jessica, and Lindsay about all aspects of the winery and vineyard and what makes them mountain-grown and mountain-made. Wine Class with the Wine Mouths is back for another episode. This time, they dig into Cabernet Sauvignon. This episode is made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council. You can learn more about the council by going to their website, ncwine.org. So sit back, pour a glass, and listen. So today we're here talking with the Wiseman family from Linville Falls Winery in Linville Falls, North Carolina. Welcome to Cork Talk. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to be on. So let's start with, so we have Linda, Jess, and Lindsay with us. So Linda, why don't you tell us who you are and what you do at the winery? Sure. I'm Linda Wiseman. I'm the tasting room manager at the winery. Basically, that covers a lot of everything that happens inside the tasting room, like most tasting room managers. But being an owner, too, and family, that sometimes means covering. So a little bit of everything. So main title, tasting room manager, and I'm fortunate to have my daughters that work there with me that basically carry the larger load of everything. I'm Jessica. Um, I'm now Jessica Wiseman Boone. I got married recently. Um, I'm Linda's daughter, and I do, gosh, I'm not really sure what my job title would be. This is where things get a little bit messy, (laughs) but... I handle a lot of our compliance, um, a lot of our design, our website, um, just things that keep us legal, a lot of the organization of production, and then just general management things. I think that would be the the best descriptor of that. That hits the highlights for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, my name's Lindsay. Um, I'm Linda's daughter as well, and Jessica's sister. I would consider myself probably the least eloquent of the wise men. <laughs> so I'll model, of course. Uh, my job. Uh, I, I would say I, if there is a need, I fill that need. That's kind of my job. So I do everything from... I kind of do all the things people don't want to do, actually, <laughs> is the way I describe it. So I work with, um, like, events. Um, I do um, some stuff with Linda, doing some managerial stuff. Um, I do a lot of our wine club stuff. Mm-hmm. I help my sister um, with compliance and label decisions and bottling decisions. I help my grandpa make some wine sometimes and say, hey, maybe don't do that. And, hey, uh, that's probably doesn't taste good (laughs) or hey that's great let's go with that so a little bit of everything but I enjoy it so it's always good to have an official taster around oh yes and she is she's the the best taster of us all for sure 
Talk to us about Lindell Falls Winery and how everything got started. Yeah, so um, we, neither of us three were really directly involved in the starting of the winery. Um, it was mine and Lindsay's uh, grandpa, Jack, who is quite the character, <laughs> but he um, is still actively involved in the winery. He's our, our winemaker and uh, the buck stops with him, so to say, so for every decision. But he, um, we've owned this property since the 50s. Um, he used it primarily for growing Christmas trees throughout uh, his life, which is another really um, prolific business in our area. And about, I guess, 25 years ago, he started experimenting with soil sampling there. He spent some time out in California um, when he was, I guess, early 20s and really enjoyed going to Napa, visiting there. You know, he always says when he went out there, it was just a totally, a totally different world. And he got the chance to kind of, you know, make wine with friends. He uh, was a steel worker, so he um, was able to contribute those skills uh, of working in steel and helping you know, create uh, tanks and stuff. And so he enjoyed that time. And when he moved back to this area, it was basically Christmas trees his whole life until he started thinking about those vineyards and did some soil sampling. And we started experimenting with grapes about, uh, I guess, 20, 20 years ago would be when he was started experimenting a little bit. And then I'd say our oldest finds are about 17 years old. So None of the three of us really directly involved in that process. When we opened our doors, I was a sophomore in college. I came home and I was like, what's up? What are we doing? <laughs> so, I, yeah, it's really interesting how, I mean, it's our whole world now. I mean, the three of us working together with my grandpa, it's, it's just crazy how much has changed in the last um, eight years um, of being open. Almost, it'll be nine in the fall, so... We've all had, I guess, very different experiences. Mm -hmm. um, Mom, and you may hear me refer to her as Mama Linda. That's what we call her around here. So um, I know you've, you've definitely worked there longer than Lindsay and I have because we're just kind of, we're younger. We were still getting our feet under us. So do I don't know, do if, there's, yeah, I don't yeah. know if there's things you want to contribute to like those early days. The, we weren't really there. the early days were crazy in the regards that, like she said, none of us really knew what he was up to. There would be a little bit feed vines in the on the property, and um, there's a choosing cut on the property. Yeah, Christmas and trees. It's the Christmas trees, and mm -hmm. we run a, a little choosing cut there down below the building. I know you've seen the red barn, and in that red barn, that's been many, many things. But in that red barn is when you would look up into the fields and go, "Wow, that looks different," but you never really thought much about it. But in October of 2012, this, well, let me back up. In April of 2012, he started laying the groundwork for building the tasting room. And that's when a few questions started being asked. And I'm not an inquisitive person. I just wait for people to tell me things. And so it wasn't until he said, hey, would you like to come down and hang out and work here? And I was like, sure, I don't drink a lot of wine, but I like it. Um, so October of 2012, and the date still is kind of fuzzy. I want to say it was the 8th of October. We were 
bringing people in the front door and the scaffolds were going out the side door. <laughs> because <laughs> Mountain is very busy in October and it was one of the most beautiful Octobers that I can recall. We actually have a picture inside our tasting room, if you've never noticed it, that a photographer took. And it was the exact month and the exact year that we opened. And it's the most beautiful scene of Wiseman's View. The color was perfect that year. So it's always great to tell people, oh, yeah, that's the year we opened. So that's when I came on board. And it was a learning experience from there. Our, our friends in the industry, Grandfather and Banner Elk, were so kind to train me. And now I drink wine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> One of the hazards of the job, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> so what were some of the first vines that uh, Jack planted? Yeah, he started with hybrid um, grape vines because I guess from his research, uh, I think he was looking really towards um, regions like the Finger Lakes to kind of clue us in as to what would grow well in our region. You know, we're, we're such a different growing environment from the Yakin Valley, so it was looking towards there to kind of get an idea for what would work for us. But we also uh, tried some things that didn't work so well. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the, some of the first ones, those hybrids, you've got Markel Foch, mm -hmm. um, Marquette, and then I guess Nore came a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, I guess Save All Blanc would have been the first white mm -hmm. grape. And not too long after that, Riesling, mm -hmm. which is a non-hybrid, of course. Um, some of the ones that didn't work so well. We still have some of the old cab Cabernet vines. They're, they're pitiful. We get like a, you know, a really stretched 50 gallons, maybe. That's <laughs> <laughs> more than I thought. I thought that's so, what yeah, tells me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But that just kind of, it kind of yeah. just gets blended in with some of the other ones. Our growing season just isn't long enough for it. Mm -hmm. And then um, Alvarino. That was a very sad attempt. Yeah, Melback. Really? Yeah, Melback and Alberta. Right behind the tasting room. Yeah, yeah. Melback. So, no. Yeah. We've, we've never been told we have a, you're like chili, so I guess we shouldn't have. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't have used that Cold to describe elevation, it. but not near being clear. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. So, definitely some failed experiments. I'm sure we'll have many more failed experiments down the road when it comes to figuring out what the mountains love, but yeah, those, those hybrid grapes were definitely a, a good plant from the start. So currently how many uh, acres are under vine? We have 12 currently. Um, some, about an acre of those are newer, um, but all Blanc grapes, but uh, 12 under vine, 11 producing mm -hmm. consistently right now. Okay. And let's talk about the growing season then. You mentioned it's shorter uh, due to the elevation and the climate in that area. Uh, so talk a little bit about some of the unique aspects of, of climate in that area. For sure. Well, as we're chatting right now, we're, we're huddled in and looking out to two and a half inches of snow <laughs> outside. So, um, yeah, it's just a little bit colder up here. Um, our vineyard sits from 3,200 feet elevation mm -hmm. to 3,400 mm -hmm. feet elevation. Um, and so that can really just affect the amount of, of time that you have these warm, sunny days. Uh, you're limited. So, I mean, we've had, we've had some really late snows uh, and late frosts, for example, this mm -hmm. year. Yeah. got a lot of our moray, a late spring frost. Um, 
or in the Blue Ridge Mountains. I know down in Asheville, they had an issue with that as well. And a lot of the vineyards down there were affected by that, that late frost. So, I mean, you're, you're contending with a, a shorter growing season for sure, which, which kind of limits um, the varieties they're able to, to ripen. Yep. So typically when does uh, the first, when do the first vines break bud? Probably around May um, or maybe late April. I can look back at maybe some photos. I, I honestly don't have a, an exact date for that, you know? Okay, so it varies, and it's varied over the years. So like Jesse um, talked about, last May, the first weekend in May, we had that late frost, and it did affect some of our Noray. And I think that's the first one to bug break. It's uh, Marquette. Marquette, okay. So that, one's, that one got bit because it was actually starting to come on. And there's some Concord grapevines on there too that we don't make wine with and it affected a little bit of them as well so mid-may is typical for all beauty bud break like the trees, trees and everything, and everything. Right. so they always say here in the mountains you're under frost and freeze warning until may 17th so a good guess would be mid-may for 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 everything to have broke bud by for yes. everything because yes that is to be more clear for everything because some things we don't come up we could have a beautiful warm April mm -hmm. and then boom hello all men <laughs> yeah. yeah just remember that in May whenever it's the most important time of the year my birthday oh, yeah. <laughs> is when life starts coming back yeah <laughs> true. <laughs> Agree with you on May. May's also my birthday. <laughs> Those May babies. May babies. <laughs> so when do you typically then begin harvest? Harvest usually starts mid-September. So for those, um, Save All Blanc is probably our first one that we start harvesting. Uh, Marquette is our red grape that comes on the quickest, so it also comes off the quickest. And then we usually let our other red grapes and even our, our Riesling kind of hang on a little bit longer all the way into October. And when we're able to do a late harvest Riesling, even, even later into October, which gets a little risky. because then you're really under a, a chance of a frost, mm -hmm. which you'd say is a lot later than a lot of vineyards in That's North Shore. I guess it just depends. Mm -hmm. depends mm -hmm. right. yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about... Um, Besides climate, what about the uh, soil and that sort of thing? That what are those? What impacts does that ha does that have on? Um, I feel bad that I keep answering questions. I like you. No, answering. no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My little comment. You're so you're a better uh, conversation leader. Okay. Well, I'll keep going for it, and you just you'll you'll let me know. Jesse's definitely the group leader out of all of us, <laughs> though. In my yes. <laughs> No, but um, mountain soil, definitely a whole different ball game than other places in North Carolina. And that's the thing about North Carolina. I mean, you just have so much variety. It's super cool. So what we have is a lot of rock. Uh, of course, mountains get a lot of rock in the soil. Um, so lots of minerality, which definitely comes through. I think I tasted a lot in our Riesling. You really get that minerality that comes through. Um, I am Fortunately, can't necessarily tell you like how much nitrogen is in our soil or give you like that level of detail, but um, but yeah, you're working with a lot of minerality, some 
some rockiness um, in our soil up here. Not a lot of clay. And talk a little bit about the slope of the vineyard. It's not not exactly flat. It isn't. No, and um, it is. It's quite the walk if you go straight up. <laughs> so it's um yeah. So we we are planted on a southeastern facing slope. So. The lowest um, of the vines will be at 3,200, and then it climbs up the hill to 3,400. And so you've got, um, I think that's also very advantageous for us, too, because the sun is able to really hit the base of those roots um, a little bit easier based on the the slope of the vineyard. So that's also great. It's um, you never have to worry about you know, too much rain. The rain runs off pretty easily. Um, we also have never once had to irrigate the vineyard, which has been really awesome. So water, um, thankfully, is not really something we've ever had to contend with um, as far as the vines getting too much, uh, like, you know, drowning, essentially, or you know, a drought. We've never really had to worry about either of those things. So that's been definitely a plus. Perfect. Yeah, that slope is really dramatic when you're in the parking lot and you're looking up. You can really see just how steep it is. It's, it's incredible. So what kind of challenges does that slope in the vineyard present when you go to harvest or, or even just tend to the vines? <laughs> Good workout challenges. Um, yeah. yeah. Especially the Riesling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have some, some steeper vines. Thankfully, I mean, it's, you know, you see these pictures along like the Moselle River where they're like strapped in to the <laughs> Thankfully, we don't have to do anything like that. It's not that super steep, but it does. I mean, um, it is, I guess, challenging to get equipment up in there as far as like, you know, a, a tractor. If you're putting grapes on the tractor to be then taken down to production, I mean, it definitely takes a little more, a little more care. But thankfully, we're not so steep that it's a, that it's a hazardous. So to say, it's just a nice little workout for sure. Do you mind if I add yeah, anything? There you go. I apologize. I, this is um, it's very interesting when you read about how other people harvest, like Jessica was saying. And so, because of some of the slope areas, we put buckets at the very end. So, if you've ever drove by our property in September and see all the harvest buckets at what do you call those bins? I think it's just bins, just bins, plastic bins, the plastic bins <laughs> at the edge of each row of vines. You grab yourself a bin, you walk up the hill. Sometimes I'm on my knees in the wrestling area. And when you get them done, you carry that bin back down to the bottom. And someone's coming by on the, the four-wheeler, four-wheeler or side-by-side and putting them in a cart and carrying them down. And that's pretty, pretty intense labor. For anybody that's helping or being a part of it. So when people go, can I help harvest? We're like, absolutely. When can you be here? Come on. (laughs) Absolutely. How many people in your family? How many people in your family? We're going to put them in a different section. (laughs) So which would you rather harvest, grapes or Christmas trees? Oh, grapes. (laughs) Grapes. Grapes. You can eat grapes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could eat Christmas trees too. It's not as fun. (laughs) Little, little, uh, you know, a little too piney, maybe, or sprucey. Yeah. I guess. yeah, they also don't really let any of us have a chainsaw, so <laughs> probably for. <laughs> yeah, you could probably do more damage with that than a pair of, uh, of shears or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So we talked a little bit about the grapes. Let's talk a little bit about the wines that you make then. 
So uh, you, you listed off all your varieties. Uh, what's what's on your lineup right now? We have quite quite a lineup. Um, so we, along with the grapes that we grow, we also source wines from other places too, just to have a, a pretty large variety. And plainly, because we just can't produce from our 12 acres what we need to sustain us uh, for business. So, um, of course, Riesling. We make a few different versions of this Riesling. We have just our our plain middle-of-the-road Riesling. It's a bit of a semi-sweet or semi-dry, I guess I should say. Um, so it's not going to be like Riesling you find when you drink and it tastes like sugar water, essentially. You know, gets kind of a bad rock out there. This is going to be... Um, a little different from that. We also take that Riesling, ferment really all the sugars out, make it nice and dry. We call that very creatively our dry Riesling. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, um, the one I alluded to earlier, the late harvest Riesling, which is um, kind of on its way to being an ice wine, but because our our frost is just varies so much here, um, the late harvest is usually a safer bet for us just to let things those grapes hang a bit longer. And um, that Save All Blanc grape, uh, that white hybrid grape actually goes into making um, several different wines. It gets blended, um, but our Mountain White, which is a sweeter white wine, is made um, entirely of the Save All Blanc grape. So it's really delicious. Those grapes, that, if you're wondering oh. which vineyard I like to harvest, it's the Save All Blanc vineyard. Yeah. Because those grapes taste so good. They are straight off the vine. So, yeah, that's a great one. We also use that one in our Trillium blend, um, which is a blend of three different wines of grape varieties. And then for, from our red hybrid grapes, we make a blended wine called Elevation. Um, the Elevation over the years has become more predominantly Noré, and we've been using the Marquette and the Marquette for other other things, uh, whether it be the base of the fruit wine or, or just blending for more nuanced flavors. So we really enjoy the, the Nori grape a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we source Cab, we source Merlot, we source Chardonnay. Um, I went out of order, so I'm having trouble. Oh, and we do a, a blueberry and blackberry wine, which is super duper fun. That's, that's a, a bit of a different different thing. And then, and in the past, um, we were using Merlot as a base for those blueberry and blackberry yeah, wines. That's a good note. Yeah, but um, for the past two years, we've been actually using our grapes that we grow, so the Nore and the Market, and it's been really fun because it just adds a really great fruity component mm-hmm. to it that mm-hmm. wasn't there before. Yeah, those yeah. grapes t- tend to have like really juicy mm-hmm. notes for sure. So, yeah. What have I missed? What have I missed? Uh, so yeah our um our grandpa really he gets uh, excited about creating lots of new things and so we um we have quite quite a list not all of those things are on the list consistently um but those those ones that i named are typically staples that that hang out on there for sure tape or dough Oh, yeah, that's Petit Verdot, North okay. Carolina Petit Verdot. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And then the Cascade is going to be a North Carolina white blend as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. So 
all of those from North Carolina. We throw a little bit of Petite Bruto. We're still trying to figure out, you know, if it's going to work for us. Yeah. yeah. We have a, um, a section of vineyard that's off property um, that my grandpa's been experimenting with uh, that's just a slightly lower elevation, um, just a few miles down the road, and it tends to tends to do just a little bit better down there. So we're feeling like maybe the Petite Bruto needs that needs yeah. a little a little More less sunshine. little mm-hmm. less elevation yeah. so you know it's it's the, the game figuring it out but you guys haven't tried Wiseman's View that's a new one yeah that one's the new one and Lindsay came up with that fun name because Jack's last name is Wiseman and we have the iconic Wiseman View area that people visit but Jack's got this little platform at the top of the property <laughs> that is on a 97% grade, so yeah. it's quite the hike. And um, yeah, I, I doubt it's that great. It's not that great. It's, it's not. It, it, feels, <laughs> it feels like it. Um, so when you get up there and you sit, and Jack likes to go up there and sit, he'll drive his truck up and sit up there and look over the property and think about his early years. Different things um, around the property that he's done in his last years. You know, he started the tasting room, the retail part of it. When he was turning 82 going into his 82 82nd birthday so that's kind of crazy so Wiseman's view um Linda came up with that name because it's his view of what he's done and Jesse wrote a beautiful fun little story on the back of it about a little bit of history of the mountains you know a little paragraph but it makes it fun people you know buy for taste people buy for appearance and people buy for the story and this time, people are buying for all three pretty equally. You know, they'll go, oh, that's really good. Oh, what a cute bottle. Oh, but honey, look at the back of this bottle. Did you read this story? <laughs> I and read so a very give dramatic me, Give me three. Paragraph. So it's kind of fun. So yeah. you guys will have to get one of those. Yeah, and absolutely. that's going to be, uh, it's like a dessert-style bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's kind of similar to a pork. Of course, we can't call it pork. But yeah. in that, it's in that lane for sure. Very cool. Now, you had mentioned fortifieds as well. So you do have some fortified wines that you produce as well. We do. Yeah. So we, um, gosh, how could I forget Cherry Bounce? That one's been around since the start. So um, Cherry Bounce is a fun one. It's a cherry wine fortified with brandy and a little bit of cinnamon mixed in there. So we call it Christmas in a Cup. It Mm -hmm. is delicious. It's very, very good. Definitely a, a higher alcohol wine, as you might imagine. So fortified. Um, that one is actually based off of a Martha Washington recipe uh, that my grandpa read about in like a newspaper, the Wall Street, the, the Wall Street Journal, I yeah. think, something yeah. like that. Which for Jack, the Wall Street Journal is the Bible. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he cuts us out little articles and he's like, read this. It's so funny. We have so many little newspapers laying around, but um. I, I mean, I was probably, gosh, I'm, I'm going to implicate myself a little bit here on the podcast, but I was like 16, 17, you know, still in high school, drove up to my grandparents' house and he's cooking something on the stove. And I'm like, what you doing? And he's like, try this. And it's just, you know, my whole life has been try this, try this. And so um, he's been experimenting that one with uh, the cherry bounce for, for a good bit. So that when we opened the tasting room, that was one he, he really took and ran with and people really loved it. And it just, it fits our vibe, like with 
us being a very popular Christmas destination because of the Cheese and Cat Christmas Tree Farm. So those two things just fit like a glove. And since the, the cherry bounce became so popular, he started experimenting with more fortified versions of fruit wines. So now we do an apple one, a blueberry one, a blackberry one, and a, a strawberry one. Which I love. I'm a strawberry person. Yeah. And I push that dangerous. like crazy. <laughs> Especially like with Valentine's Day and everything, mm-hmm. strawberries have been popular. So those are, those are fun dessert wines that we do as well. Very cool. Thanks for going into that. Oh, um, yeah. This is actually a really good spot to take a quick little break, but then we will be right back and we'll probably talk a little bit about um, how business is going. It's time again for Wine Class with the Wine Mouths. Jesse and Jessica, welcome back. So good to be here. Thanks. So last time we talked about Chardonnay. So what great variety are we going to be talking about today? All right. So today we're going to be traveling to France mm-hmm. <laughs> and discussing Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. yeah, except you get to hear us butcher French in our southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have Joe here who can kind of provide some pronunciation guidance. Excellent. Uh, but yeah, so today we're going to talk about Cabernet Sauvignon. So Cabernet Sauvignon is a French grape that originated in the Bordeaux region. And it's actually a cross that happened naturally a long, 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 long time ago. Uh, between two different grapes, Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc, which is interesting because Sauvignon Blanc is actually a white grape. That it is. So who would have thunk could have such an interesting parentage? But so they think it dates back to the 1600s, which is based on some DNA testing that UC Davis in California did back in the 90s. It really hasn't been that long since we've known that about Cabernet Sauvignon. Talking about its baby daddy, Cabernet Franc, so Cabernet Sauvignon is that makes it a half sibling of Merlot and Carmenier. So it's a very modern family, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Except also not modern because it's been around forever. <laughs> <laughs> very fun. Who would have thought that all those grapes are related to each other? So we'll move into the vineyard now. Cabernet Sauvignon grows well in North Carolina. You can see it grown all across the state um, from Outer Banks to the mountains. How it grows kind of depends on where it is in the state, but it can be grown everywhere. It's the number two um, vinifera variety grown in North Carolina. So it's one of the big players for North Carolina. And a couple of pros and cons in the vineyard with Cabernet. So on the good side, it has a later bud break. So we don't really have to worry about frost with Cabernet, it'll, it's one of the last ones for bud break. The grapes produce a high quality wine. Its demand is high for the grapes. So, you know, for folks that are just growing grapes and not making wine, this is one of the grapes that's going to get the most money in the vineyard. Um, it just has a higher demand and premium price to it. The vines are high yielding. So when it's properly managed and the fruit, comparatively speaking for North Carolina, is pretty good with its resistance to different kinds of rot. So it does well in the vineyard. On the flip side of that, there are some cons. It has a later harvest date. So that means we can have issues with it in North Carolina with hurricane season. So it's one of the grapes that sometimes has to get harvested early if a hurricane is coming through. And it also does have some susceptibility to winter injury. Um, And that's just if it gets too cold in the winter for the vines, it can cause some injury to the the water system within the the plant while it's lying dormant in the winter. And it can also have some 
crown gall and excessive vegetative growth. So you just have to watch to make sure when you're growing Cabernet that, that you're not getting too much greenery that's going to pull away from your fruit getting ripe. So Jesse, what's crown gall? So crown gall is a disease that is caused by a bacteria that can live in the soil and it causes growths or galls to grow on the roots and branches. And so this can kind of cause deterioration of the, the vine over time because it'll have these galls that are that are growing on the, the roots and branches and everything of the, of the plant. Sounds yucky. Yeah, it looks yucky too. Yeah, Google it. You'll find some interesting pictures. One other fun fact in the vineyard about Cabernet is with the grapes. So unripe grapes, or even if they're you know, not fully ripe, just slightly unripe grapes can cause aromas of green bell peppers in cabs. And that's not always desirable. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. So there is a fine balance there. But that organic compound for that aroma is a pyrazine, which you find in other wines, specifically Sauvignon Blanc. And it is a, a trait you do want in Sauvignon Blanc. It gives you that herbaceous note. But in Cabernet, both Sauvignon and Franc, you get the green bell pepper characteristic. So we do see that in North Carolina. So there is some work being done to make sure that doesn't happen. Very interesting. And like you said before, you know, a lot of name recognition, everyone wants their Cabernet. Mm-hmm. So how does it do in the winery itself? So in the winery, it does well. It makes, you know, a dry red wine, mostly, hopefully barrel aged. It's often used in blends as well in the winery. So because it's such a good solid backbone wine, it goes in a lot of blends. So anybody that has a red blend in North Carolina, it's likely that it has Cabernet in it. Kind of along those lines, you know, with labeling, we can have up to various percentages of other wines if it's a varietal. But just in general, like America, if it's an American wine, it can have up to 25% of another variety in it and still be called whatever the 75% is. So You know, Cabernet is in a lot of wines, even if it's not necessarily on the label. Kind of provides a nice firm backbone for most blends. Yes, definitely. So, so most folks, when they think of Cabernet, at least, at least in the United States, a lot of folks think of Napa Um, Mm. and the big, bold, tannic cabs that we see coming out of Napa. How, how are the, how do the cabs in North Carolina kind of compare to those? Or are they more like Cabernets from other parts of the world? Um, Yeah, I definitely think Comparing them to a Napa cab is not the right way to go. I think if you did that, you would probably be disappointed just because that it's different. Not that one's better than the other. They're just different. You know, a lot of that has to do with the climate and back to the vineyard. We aren't going to be able to get our fruit quite as ripe and as high of alcohol content as California. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit lighter and maybe a little bit less tannic even. So it probably compares more to you know, the French Cabernets. I would agree. I think that's uh, the case for most East Coast cabs are going to be more because of the climate is is more more like a Europe, more like Bordeaux than it is the Mediterranean kind of climate they have in California. So. And that doesn't make it bad. No, it's exactly. It's different exactly. what you're looking for. But like you know, Jesse was saying, you're kind of going to set yourself up for disappointment if, if you think you're opening your North Carolina cab and it's going to have the same as a Napa cab. It's just going to be different. Exactly. One interesting thing too about cab, talking about, about referencing back to blending um, and its origin, is that it kind of goes back to the tradition of Bordeaux in general. So Cabernet Sauvignon is um, used in the 
and Bordeaux blends where historically, traditionally, uh, they were blending those Bordeaux grapes. And then here in the States, we have Meritage. So Meritage is this alliance and it was started, I think, in California where folks were getting frustrated because of the labeling requirements for varietals. So they were blending Cabernet and Merlot and some other wines, but they couldn't call it anything on their labels because the percentages weren't right. And so it wasn't getting the recognition that it deserved. So they kind of created Meritage, which is Merit and Heritage. So it's always pronounced Meritage. <laughs> so that allows a blend of Bordeaux grapes, um, but we're not in Bordeaux. So obviously it had to have a different name, but we do have some wineries in North Carolina that are making Meritage blends. And I think you actually even have to pay that alliance to use that name. Yeah, so pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And don't try to get fancy and say meritage. Mm-hmm. It's meritage. So now you had mentioned that you know Cabernet is one of the the blending grapes in Bordeaux, and here in the states we often see it as just a single varietal. But I think we need to embrace a little bit more of the blending with it because I think blends are such a good thing. They kind of combine all the best qualities of the grape and kind of give you some more flexibility. And I think we need to look for more blends. Absolutely, and I think that it's trending that way with wine tastes in general so funny when people tell us like oh we're really into red blends right now okay what does that mean but I agree I mean you kind of get to pick and choose the best um, and highlight the qualities you want to in a blend so now a little bit ago you mentioned flavors so what are the primary flavor profiles of Cabernet Sauvignon yeah so um, you're going to look for those blue fruits and oaky flavors smoke pepper going back to the vineyard you may or may not have that bell pepper flavor, but also so black cherry, black pepper, blackberry, lots of those fruity flavors, uh, tobacco, leather, vanilla, any of those might pop up as well. And it makes it a fun wine for pairing. So what would you suggest pairing with Cabernet Sauvignon? So my favorite pairing is just a steak and baked potato, classic, classic dinner <laughs> here in the South. And <laughs> Um, I always go for a cab with that. Or ribs or barbecue or you know, pizza. I think this could go well with a lot of different things. How about you guys? I mean, I think I would agree uh, meat or some sort of like mushrooms, something with mushrooms maybe that has a lot of umami. Anything with fat because of the tannin and the in the wine it pairs with, would pair well with anything that's a little fatty because it kind of cuts the fat a little bit. But I just like to sit and have a glass of cab to drink, especially East Coast cabs. They're they're a little bit more approachable. Whereas I think if you're drinking a Napa cab, you're going to need to be probably having some food with it because it's going to be more tannic. But Yeah, I would agree. I think like more of a, if it's in the wintertime, like a hearty stew would be nice with a Cabernet. Sure, yeah. That would be perfect for a day like today. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any other tips or tricks when it comes to Cabernet? Just drink them. (laughs) (laughs) Find what you like uh, and taste lots of different ones. So one thing I I was trying to to, uh, look up a little bit where the word Cabernet comes from. It looks like it may originate from Latin, a Latin phrase meaning black vine. And then, of course, Sauvignon comes from Sauvignon Blanc, which means which Sauvage is wild in French. Of course, Blanc is white, Mm -hmm. so wild white one. So that's kind of the origins. It's wild black vine, I guess, is kind of what Cabernet Sauvignon kind of means if you were to translate it. Interesting. And things must have gotten wild back in the day to (laughs) Cabernet 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 Franc was was an active (laughs) little vine, wasn't it? Yeah. Same with all those others. (laughs) 
Well, on that note, it has been a great time. <laughs> Jesse and Jessica, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. You can find out more information about the Wine Mouths by going to their website, winemouths.com, or on Facebook and Instagram at winemouths. That's W-I-N-E-M-O-U-T-H-S. And now, back to the show. So we're back with the Wisemans from Linville Falls Winery. So let's talk a little bit about what tourism, how tourism impacts the business. People come to the mountains all throughout the year. Uh, so maybe take us through the seasons and talk about some of the unique, unique aspects of each season in coming to visit the mountains and then, of course, coming to visit the winery. Oh, for sure. Lindsay, do you want to take this one? I'm going to try. It's going to be great. Especially Lindsay is our resident skier, so she is Miss Winter right now. (laughs) Yes. So in winter, of course, the season that we're in right now, huge ski season um, for our area. People come up to beach and to sugar, but it's also more crowded than it's ever been. Which is crazy because you would think with everything that has happened with coronavirus, people would be more interested in staying away from crowds and trying to stay in. But it has really been the opposite for our area because people view our area as an escape from the cities and everywhere else. But it has really just skyrocketed tourism, Mm -hmm. um, which I know is probably a whole separate topic yeah we'll have to get into but it's been a crazy winter um we have people coming up to ski and whenever those ski areas get too busy they're like i do not want to be up here in this area we're going to limble falls it's rural we love it and so they we've been getting a lot of ski traffic more than we um have in the past actually and then of course we're right next to the parkway so we get a lot of people traveling to see the snow traveling to see the seasons on the parkway and they're like a winery off the parkway so they'll do the limble falls hike um come to our winery hang out in the winter that's pretty much the same for every season it's just that there's different things going on in spring people get excited about growth and oh my gosh it's a great time to hike it's not going to be busy it's going to be busy though (laughs) yeah um spoiler alert spoiler alert it's always busy so they come they hike um on the parkway again oh there's a winery they come to the winery same thing for banner elk they want to come hang out in boone area with the college too so like appalachian which i graduated from appalachian state proud mountaineer over here um they're just coming for all the different attractions and we just happen to be part of it which is really awesome so we benefit from other tourist attractions in the area but i'd say we've become kind of our own attraction yeah i think yeah. We're, we're our own thing yeah. <laughs> but fall fall's a huge season all the color changing people go nuts over the leaves i go nuts over the leaves uh, oh yeah yeah i want to do all the hikes and check everything out it's a beautiful time for our vineyard you get a little color on top of the leaves you got all the people coming out for the Instagram photos. So, yes, <laughs> which people are super um, interested in the experience of being outdoors and um, being able to take that family photo in an area that's really pretty. And I just think our area has beauty all seasons of the year, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Of course, you get kind of 
the gross yucky weed like rain time, but it's still cool. Like yeah. it still looks great. So I think we really benefit from the beauty of our area, which draws people to to our business during off seasons. It certainly is a beautiful, beautiful part of North Carolina. And for folks who haven't visited yet, definitely go take a look. And as, as Lindsay was saying, they're right off the parkway. I mean, uh, so you can't go wrong. Of course, the parkway does close certain portions in the winter. So you got to watch out for that. But um, otherwise, it's always a beautiful drive and you get the winery right there. So. And we like coming up in the summertime, too, because it's at yeah. least, you know, 10 degrees cooler at least in the mountains <laughs> than, you know, we're in the Charlotte area. So it's a little bit warmer down here, but it's just nice to get away and, and kind of have a, you know, slightly cooler day. Oh, yeah. You're like, what's that? Is that a breeze? <laughs> <laughs> Is that lower humidity? Oh, my. Yeah. So, yeah. so we talked to you, you, Lindsay, you touched on, on coronavirus and COVID. So let's maybe talk a little bit about how that has impacted business and, and changed things up, uh, I'm sure, for what happened. Well, we could there. talk about this for hours. Yeah. yeah genuinely. What a um, year. What a year. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, so we were, we were closed um, from, I guess, well, this will be the same for every North Carolina winery. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners. Oh, ML knows the exact date. <laughs> I, I look at reports. That's, that's what they keep me around for. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> just, just like everybody, everybody got that um, shut down March 17th. And then um, we got that beautiful phone call, thank goodness, from Mark Krizolowski on Friday night, May 22nd, that said we can open on the 23rd. And we, the business plan, which I'm going to let Jesse talk about, that we've always had, quickly changed. And we called it immediate staff um uh, emergency. emergency emergency staff <laughs> meeting I should say and people were eager to be there and be ready to help us get back open the next day yeah it was insane it was crazy my yes. favorite part of the year is that every part of this year has been different it's yeah staff. yeah and it's so. I mean so um mom kind of touched on that so when we reopened I mean we were trying to figure out, you know, how in the world to just keep everyone as safe as possible. Of course, you know, we've said we have a, uh, an 88, almost 89 year old man who is very stubborn and, you know, is like, Oh yeah, I guess I do need to wear my mask. And we're like, Oh, wear your mask. So he's, you know, and, and just loves conversating and meet new people. So just trying to protect him this year was a full-time job. Because he's just wild. He's yeah. everywhere at once. He's but, just trying to live his life. Yeah. And we're just trying to protect his life. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's so typically at um, Rumble Falls Winery, as with many other wineries, you would just be able to walk up to the bar. We have this beautiful, long-tasting bar where you can have a tasting, you know, personally with a server that walks you through each wine, tells you about it. But, you know, that's that's what you want when you go to a winery. You want to hear about all those things. And obviously that's not something realistic to do during the pandemic. So it changed. I mean, immediately we're just talking every single day about, okay, this worked and this didn't work. And so we're going to try table service. Okay. We're going to try like seating people like you would at a restaurant. But the way we've created our property is just so wide open that it was like, 
okay, let me take you to your table. Oh, someone came in the other door and they're sitting at the table we were going to take. Okay. (laughs) So it's, and then it's awkward. And I, I'm not, none of us three we're, we're big people pleasers. So telling people no, or saying like, Hey, you can't do this. Oh, it it broke us as humans. It was rough. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it was, um, yeah, it's been a really, a really interesting year, but along with that, like Lindsay was saying earlier, I mean, we saw so many people and it stretched us, um, it stretched us in a way to use our property creatively to make places where people could enjoy space like outdoors away from other people. We have that red barn that we use during the Christmas tree choosing cut season that is usually just storage during the year just to hide all of our junk in. And so Lindsay, Lindsay's our, our cleaner out girl. And she was like, uh, we're getting this crap out of the barn and we're using the barn. And so cleaned out the barn and that, I mean, we're just, we don't see how we'll ever not be able to use the barn and not be able to use our lawn in the same way, like moving forward. So there is, I just don't even remember what it was like before, yeah. like how close people were in our tasting yeah, rooms. Right. And I don't know if this is silly to bring up, but I think about if you guys have ever seen Coyote Ugly, some days a Saturday at the winery felt so like pandemic. And I just can't even <laughs> believe what we were doing, what we were doing. I, I was trying back. to get a customer out the door on a busy day and now we get them what they need. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's, now it's so spread out, and we we really enjoy table yeah. service. It I mean, honestly makes the vibe better. It yeah. does, yeah. So, I mean, it's. I think the whole conversation around this has been tough because we had a very, a very, while it was a very difficult and challenging year mentally for us, we're grateful our family stayed safe and our staff stayed safe, and you know, coronavirus free. Uh, while those things were were difficult, we had a great year as a business, which is not true for so many businesses, North Carolina and throughout America. So it's just the strangest like mix of, of like, like happy that we're figuring it out and that, you know, people don't hate us after we tell them no a million times. And then, you know, happy that we're able to have a successful year, but also just like, you know, grieving that it has to be like this and that there's so many businesses that weren't able to you know, to harbor the year. And so it's just, it's such a strange mix of, of feelings and how do you even talk about it and how do you even celebrate having a good year in the midst of so many people not having a good year. So right. uh, it's a strange, it's a strange line to ride for sure. But it sounds like some of the things that happened are probably going to be more permanent instead of just a temporary yeah. because of COVID. I think- I think so. I mean, we have really enjoyed, I think that it has enhanced the winery experience where before, if you did come on a Saturday, it was sometimes like, oh, it's two. I can't go to Lindsay Falls because their bar is going to be so full that I can't even order a glass of wine wine and simply sit outside. Now you can very easily just seat yourself at a table. You don't even have to go inside. You just come and we come out to you. We got our masks on. We're all safe. We do everything you need, bring you your glass, bring you your bottle, bring you a flight. You don't even have to stand. You can do your flight at the table and we explain to you everything that you want. The experience ends up being better because you get that person to person interaction 
Whereas you're not just seeing a server for like five seconds and then they're running to the other end of the bar to pour 10 flights for people. Yeah. It becomes a better experience and it's slower paced. You can walk around, you can go sit wherever you want. And I really enjoy it. I just think it's, it's been great for our servers too. Yeah. We've gotten a lot of exercise. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We love to that we all have those watches, either Fitbits or Apple watches. Apple watches and we're like, oh my gosh, I got 16,000 steps. Oh my gosh, I got 14. You know, mom always gets more. We're convinced like she does something secret to make hers. <laughs> I'm, I'm running it yeah. <laughs> yeah, she goes up to the Riesling in the midday and, you know, before everyone else yeah. is there, right? <laughs> Probably those three cups of coffee. It's probably registering yeah. her heartbeat. She moves pretty fast, so she probably is just speed walking through everything. Yeah. yeah. I thought of something else, too. Um, before we all were shut down in the state, all the, all the businesses, I thought about something that Jessica had put in place for us was shipping. And we had picked up that Vino shipper because we had come to the conferences and we'd heard about it from different meetings that, you know, we gather around the round table and people were talking. She did a lot of research and she got us set up and now we're compliant in 38 states. Shipping kept us afloat. It was great. God bless Vino shipper, man. It's, yeah. And they're great to work with. They're the best. Yeah. They are amazing. Shout out to Vino shipper. Yeah, shout out to Vino shipper. <laughs> Sponsor Quirk Talk. <laughs> please, Vino Shipper, please. <laughs> but it's, we had to go curbside a little bit prior to the actual shutdown. Yeah. And it was a family decision because of Jack. We, we want to keep him around as long as we can. And um, he's the creator. And um, he has blessed us with this future. So because of that, we were like, Curbside is going to work great for us. So the the Vino shipper was wonderful, and we were shipping around the clock. Crazy! Oh my gosh! It was a full time job. Yeah, I, we turned into shipping managers for a couple months. We yeah, had, we had shipping dance parties, building boxes. It was fun. I mean, it was fun. It was yeah. fun. It was fun, and we were safe. And that yeah. was the best part about it. Is yeah. it is we felt safe. Yeah. So good. Good. That definitely matters for yeah, sure. We had. We know that there were a lot of wineries that weren't shipping before COVID that had to, had to, to be able to stay afloat. And um, I think a lot of them are using Vino shippers. So. And it's a great way to pivot yeah. too. Like you said, it takes care of all the compliance stuff. So all you have to do is just sign up for it. I'm sure there's more things behind the scenes, but uh, they take care of most of everything that you need and you just provide the wine. Yeah. yeah. It's been, it's been awesome. And any questions we had, there was always someone you could talk to. Yeah. So like there's been a Vino shipper that would answer it. So yeah, it was great. Well, that's excellent. So 2020 aside and pandemic aside, what are some of the things that have left the biggest impact on you over the years of doing business? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, I can kind of go first, mm-hmm. but I definitely want to hear, you know, what you guys think as well. I think my love of wine culture and, the, and other people who love wine, uh, it's, I think, the way that that's grown in me has left the biggest impact. It's just, it's an incredible thing to like sit over a glass of wine, the conversations that happen, the relationships that are built, just, you know, people coming just to to get away, to find rest, to find a change of pace, to enjoy this like artfully creative thing. That's something that's enjoyed around the world and 
specific to, to different cultures. I mean, just the whole culture of wine is, is such an incredible thing. And I think like being, you know, just like Mama Linda was saying, like when we came on board, we didn't know anything about wine. I mean, we thought we were going to be missionaries. So we didn't know what we were going to do. But but I mean, we, we didn't know anything other than, you know, what my grandpa had like let me try as a high schooler or whatever, but it, it's just like, here, try this. Or, um, so the learning curve was massive and, um, that happened mostly on the tasting bar. You know, I'm just this 22 year old kid and I'm pouring wine and they're like, I'm telling them about the wine and they're like, okay. And then they're <laughs> telling me, you know, about yeah. their wine experience and the things they've seen and what they know about the Riesling grape. And so it's, I've learned so much about the wine world and the more I learn, the more I realize like how much more there is to learn. So the culture of it is just super awesome. And then beyond that, I've also learned how to, you know, run a website, do compliance, (laughs) lots of life skills learned. (laughs) So I never thought I'd make so many calls to the state of North Carolina asking, (laughs) how do I do this? (laughs) My favorite part is whenever you call them and you tell them specifically what you're looking for and they're like, um, we'll have to get back to you on that. (laughs) And you're like, oh, well, that's validating. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, that would be my answer. Do you want to go next or do you want me to? Sure. Yeah. I think for me, it's just realizing you can literally do anything and being able to have that flexibility as a family I'm so thankful for because not everybody gets the opportunity in life to make their own work decisions and life decisions, but we really get to like make our own path in life and make our own choices and make our own decisions. And that's rare. That's so rare. Um, So being able to say, Hey, that is not working anymore and totally changing, um, pivoting or creating something that, I don't know, has never been done before. <laughs> it's it's really cool. Um, and just being able to always reinvent um, ourselves and reinvent what we're doing. It's just having that ability and the flexibility to do those things is really awesome. And just knowing that you can. That's yeah. kind of my, just learning that not everything's black and white. So, and I'm a very black and white person, but I'd say I'm not that way anymore, which is really cool. Just being able to see things from all different ways and come up with new ideas and being creative is really awesome. That's good one too. Okay. So (laughs) a couple of things that they said, the creativity is beautiful behind it. The relationships that you build is, is, I feel like are going to be lifelong. We have met so many neat people from everywhere. That Blue Ridge Parkway brings people from all over the world, and they got to get on a boat or a plane to get there from some countries. But you're like, you're from Portugal? You're from Germany? Wait a minute. You're from where? And so some of the conversations that you have with people, you meet people from all over the world. And like Jessica said, we didn't really have that experience. You know, we weren't brought up. I wasn't brought up around wine. My kids weren't really brought up around wine. And so my education, I would say my education came from being on the bar. And the beauty behind it all is that I may not know the answer to the question someone's asking me, 
but they know it. <laughs> and so I am very grateful and thankful when I'm pouring Cabernet and I tell them where it comes from in Washington State. And they go, oh, my gosh, I've been there. Have you been? And I'm like, no. Will you take me? <laughs> and so when said, um, you said, you learn so much. So I didn't get the college degree like these ladies got their college degree. And this probably wasn't the future they thought they were going to have. But the most wonderful thing about it is they want to work with their mother <laughs> and they come back to work every day. So I get, I get to see them more than they thought they were ever going to see me. Oh, it's great. And so I have that relationship. Everybody in the tasting room is a family. Yeah. We care for one another. No one's an employee. Everybody is a family member. And so we're a team. And that is that has built the most beautiful relationships, yeah. I think. The relationship, the knowledge of all the wine, it's so vast. The education that we've gotten from learning about wine, and and there's so much more to learn. Yeah, that is we're like sponges trying to soak it all up. Family matters so much, and you, you the three of you kind of really embody that. You work so well together. You you play off each other very nicely. So totally agree. We're we're kind of winding down on the questions. What is one thing you want customers to know when they come visit Linville Falls Winery? That's a great question. Um, Mom and Lindsay may have something they want to input, but um, I think I, I want people to, to understand like different growing regions within North Carolina. I think that's going to be a very interesting thing in the future. And I think the lines are, are going to get drawn more and more specifically as we learn like about our region and about the grapes that grow and the grapes that don't grow. And, um, you know, along with, grandfather and Banner Elk and even up into Watauga Lake, you know, learning about what the Appalachian High Country viticulture area, learning more about our identity, you know, and I think having people come knowing that like, oh, you don't grow your Cabernet and, and maybe, I, I think I used to feel a little bit of shame about that. But then as, as we've had the opportunity to travel other places, knowing that like, no, a lot of places in the world, they just grow like these one or two varieties and that's what they're known for. So it's like awesome that we can offer a variety, even though it's not necessarily something we grow, but like um, for the customer to understand that like, that that's more of a, the norm, if that makes sense, you know, um, that yes, we're offering this variety, but like these are the ones we highlight because they are state grown and this is what identifies us in our growing region. That's the first thing that kind of pops into mm -hmm. my head. Yeah, I would agree with you. That's that's definitely my number one thing. I yeah. want people to, to understand and to feel whenever they come to the, the vineyard or the farm. The farm. The farm. <laughs> yeah, I just want people to feel comfortable. Yeah. Because we're farmers. We always say we're not bougie. We are bougie. <laughs> we're farmers first. And then, hey, we grew these grapes, and this is what we have to offer, and it makes wine. It's us. Oh, so. yeah. I definitely just want to – I want people to feel comfortable just like Mom is saying, like that anyone can come in and have a great time. Yeah. 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 So, sure. And it's a no-pressure situation. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to know anything about wine. You don't have to know anything. If you like it, awesome. If you don't. That's also fine. Just you, have a good time. Yeah, you got mud on your shoes? We do too. Yeah. <laughs> so 
Jess mentioned briefly the Appalachian High Country ABA. So maybe let's talk about that for just a moment um, and kind of talk about what that means to to that area. Yeah, it's a really big deal. I mean, we're really we're really proud of it because it really legitimizes our area as a great growing region um, in North Carolina, having that that designated viticulture area that's that's nationally recognized is really cool. And you know, a lot of people worked hard to make sure that that became a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how many years? Three. Um, gosh, it's been a little bit longer than that. I want to say that it would take three years to get you know the paperwork signed. <laughs> yeah, you know all the um, litigation it has to go through, all the funding that it has to go through. And all the levels of accreditation it has to go to um, through. So I want to say it was uh, either 2016 that we got um, our full accreditation. Gosh, I can't. I can't remember no, exactly. About it. But it's but, not. It's not been like ten yeah, years. It's not been about right. Open eight. Yeah. But there were some people from from what five different counties and three different states came on board to help get that started and going. And there's only a few of us left really, you know, supporting it and talking about it. But the, like Jessica says, it's nice to be legit. Yeah. You know, we've been growing the fruit and a lot of people in the state grow the fruit, just like a lot of people in the United States grow the fruit. Right. But it's not until you get the legal legitimacy that um, you can say it's a state that you can say, Hey, we grow this. Appalachian so, country. Appalachian put it on our country. label. Put it on label. And that's um, you mentioned a really cool part is mm-hmm. that we do um share the, those borders with Tennessee and with Virginia, mm-hmm. and so those those area, those areas within the Appalachian High Country, we also get to kind of cross borders too, and and be part of that with some other states as well, which is it's pretty fun too. So that's cool. Yeah, I don't think there are too many too many ABAs that that cross state borders, but North Carolina has two ABAs that cross state borders, so that's kind of interesting yeah very neat it's cool it has to do with that i guess the terrain and the elevation and the climate and all those things um to use the word again legitimizes why that's considered an appellation and you know i guess i should mention here we do hope that that there's more people you know that that want to plant vineyards in the Appalachian High Country, that whether this has been their home for a long time or whether they're they're moving up here, especially we're, we're finding, you know, a lot more people moving to our area because of the pandemic has made them realize, well, we want a little more space. So, you know, the people that have the means to do that, we're seeing a lot of people move up here. And, and you know, with that may bring, bring more vineyards, more wineries, and, and we hope that for our area. You know, I think... We want to see that grow. We want to see see other places able to, to do the same thing, to learn things that we didn't know, to start growing a grape that maybe we didn't think about. And so um, we think that would be super awesome. And we've really appreciated the relationships that we've gotten to have with our other our other fellow um, Appalachian High Country vineyards and wineries, for sure. Okay, so why don't we uh, tell folks how to find you both physically and virtually? Yes. So physically, like we've mentioned a few times, we're very close to the Blue Ridge Parkway. We're located in the sprawling metropolis of Limbaugh Falls. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, so Limbaugh Falls, um, it's between uh, like 
Asheville and Boone, roughly. We're along Highway 221 in Avery County at the, the lower end of the county. L.A. for short. Le- L.A. The- <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, <laughs> but um, but yeah, right there off of the Blue Ridge Parkway, um, exit three seventeen. The actual Limble Falls hike is exit three sixteen on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Mm-hmm. So really close, fun to make a day of the two things. We find a lot of people do that. They'll they'll visit you know local cheese place like English Dairy, go on a hike, go to the caverns, come to the winery. Super fun day. Great great day there. So along Highway 221 is our address. Um, And then virtually, we can be found on Facebook and Instagram. We're pretty active on there. Love um, interacting with people. Instagram, we're at Limble Falls Winery. Facebook, Limble Falls Winery. And as she mentioned before, Jessica does our website. Mm -hmm. And we encourage all listeners to visit our website and read our information and check everything out on there because we work hard on that website, getting all the information out for people to know about. So, and it's it's cool. And it's ever changing. So, ever changing. Always good. Rule of thumb, check the website. That's where we that's where we keep things pretty updated. So, and that website is LinvilleFallsWinery.com, correct? Yes. Yes. That's it. So any, any last things that you want folks to know about the Wiseman's and Limble Falls Winery? Oh, goodness. Well, the Wiseman's, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yep. We'll do that over on Family Talk. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll definitely need wine. Yeah, that's, that's one where we're going to be drinking wine, not coffee. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, we're, we are just excited to welcome folks into our, our crazy little world, crazy little family. And that, you know, we, um, we're grateful for you guys reaching out to us about doing an interview. And um, this has been really fun. We love what we do and we love spending time together. That's not without hardship, of course, but we really enjoy and are thankful Mm -hmm. for our lives, the lives that we have. So, well, that's awesome. And ladies, it's been a pleasure uh, having you on court talk today. Uh, give our best to Jack. We hope he has his vaccine soon, if he hasn't already, and yeah. all of you as well. Yeah, he's got it. He Perfect. Is. Excellent. Thanks. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of Cork Talk. Thanks again to the Wisemans. The winery is a great visit at any time of year, and we highly recommend you plan a visit. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and a review. It helps others find Cork Talk and lets us know how to improve. Did you know we have a Patreon page? You'll get patron-only content, early access to each show, and more when you sign up. You can find out more information at patreon.com slash Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NCWineGuy. Until next time, remember, pork only talks when it's out of the bottle. Cheers! Pork Talk is a free run LLC production. This episode was made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council.